Welcome to Rap in Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. Dun dun. Welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. Woo! It's Tori and B. And we're joined by Dad Avila's guy. I wasn't expecting that. Sorry, guys. Nobody was. <laughs> and, and today, we're getting into the fourth studio album from T.I.P. It was released in 2006. You have production on here from Manny Fresh, Just Blaze, DJ Tone, uh, Swiss Beats, The Neptunes, Travis Barker. Um, and it was a very prominent standout release for T.I. Because, you know, this year he had the ATL movie come out and he had this album come out. And I believe they were both number one at the same time. So he was really, really big um, out here at this time. Um, he was, I want to say, the biggest artist in rap at that time. Um, nobody was bigger than T.I. in this time frame. I mean, he just he couldn't lose. Um this is right after he lost Fallant, too, right? Yes, it is. Um, what do you? What was your takeaway from this album, and what do you remember from this time? Um, I remember the whole shootout that happened. I remember finally uh, because at first I had it taken. I, I wasn't. I was like, "Yo, you can't claim king because I have the whole like mentality, New York mentality, old school rap. In order to be the king, you have to kill the king." So I felt like he never went after the king to really be the Who king. Who killed Rakim? Uh, I feel like Rakim died out himself over time, so somebody had to pick it up. That's a no, different story. I don't think so. Like, well, I feel like, for example, of that is when when Nas and uh, Big were sending shots at each other. That was over claiming the crown. When Jay finally said the city is mine, it was him claiming the crown after that. So I felt like it was. And yeah, a lot he of people did. like spoke. I'm sorry, or I'm already starting it off spicy. But, like, when Jay said that, a lot of people was like, nigga, no. Like, only reason you got it is because Biggie died. Like, people, like, there was whispers. Like, nobody was, like, fully agreeing with it or whatever like that. Nas just didn't care to proclaim it. Like, and, like, just didn't give a fuck. But, like, it like it was it was just as much backlash when Jay said the city is mine as when, when then, T.I. Then, said but it. But then when anybody wanted it, he would he would throw the shots back. Okay, and, that and was what the did T.I. do? But, okay, but that's what I'm saying. T.I., I had to come to realize if you listen to what I was saying before is this is when I came to that realization is okay. literally how I started okay. my whole statement out so okay. can I okay. finish my statement before I get cut okay. off well I apologize I just usually go second so I was just like damn I'm supposed to be talking right now so I, I was anxious he my looked bad. at me I'm sorry yeah I couldn't help it go ahead um so, no, this is around the time where I finally started understanding uh, how people viewed T.I. and why they viewed him that way I always liked T.I. but I, I always because I'm such a Scarface fan I kind of always felt it was disrespect to Scarface for him claiming king until Scarface said, I don't give a fuck about that, which was cool. And I was like, all right, the king don't care, then cool. Um, but then around this time also, uh, it was consistent hits from T.I. and consistent albums of great shit that I was finally like, all right, nah, he's the king. And when he t titled it king, it was like, all right, 
you earned it. This is this is this is you fully sitting in the in the throne and 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 feeling comfortable in it. And I get it now. What was your thoughts? Thank you. I can go now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was Ti's like uh, you know his victory lap. Um, this was when he was at like his height. Also at this time, he was filming American Gangster. Mm-hmm. So like he was just at his height, he could get no bigger. This was when like uh, remember when Jay Z was on tour with R. Kelly and like the big fight broke out, and then like Jay Z like who like all his guests that he had come out and perform with him mm-hmm. and shit, like he had Ti on tour mm-hmm. with him, and Ti was like, "Yo, like I, I was at that I show. Can't, I can't continue. I can't, I gotta go do my own thing." And Jay was like, "Nah, like Jay really." Like was like vetting like this was that around the same time when he was trying to sign with Wayne. He also was trying to book a deal with Ti because he had a relationship at Atlantic, and Ti was like, absolutely not. Like I got great hustle, I'm my own man, but I really respect you and I really appreciate it, right? So um, I just thought that it was really dope that he was able to like have that relationship with Jay at this time and be able to look at Jay-Z in the eye and say no. <laughs> like, that that takes some balls, right? Like, I get, like, Wayne made sense. T.I. that's how I was like, he's crazy. But I get it, get it right? Um, T.I. really, 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 really paid it forward and earned the name King of the South. And I'll say, um, when he lived in Atlanta, like, he would literally do shit, like, pull up at Athlete's Foot and, like, buy people sneakers. Like, he'll be buying sneakers or whatever like that. And, like, obviously, you know, he wouldn't be getting people Jordans, but, like, he would get people Air Force Ones and just, like, sneakers to go back to school, right? And that that just goes, like, a, a long way. Like, some mm-hmm. of my friends have made jokes. Like, I think ain't buying no Jordans, but it's just, like, he's buying sneakers. Yeah. For, for people in, in the public. Like, he was a homegrown product. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, T.I. was in the newspaper when he was a kid for bringing, a, for bringing drugs and for bringing drugs to school. And then I believe, like, he brought, like, a weapon. I don't know if it was a knife or a gun or some shit like that. Like, he's, like, infamously known. He went to Doug High, he went to Doug high School. He didn't finish. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's also where um, Keller Mike went to school at. So I just think that, like, he was, like, such a representation of Atlanta and a well, like, representation. Like, I'm saying, I'm talking about in 2006. Cause I know, like, we're also going to get into a lot of things that have, like, progressed over time. But, like, at this time, like, this man, like, Danny said and Reggie said he could do no wrong at this point in time. Like I remember like I was even like asking myself, like, yo, is T.I. my favorite rapper in two thousand and six? Like he was doing that well and he was extremely confident. And there's a song that we will get to when we get to it and I will talk about that. Because I'm very, very excited to talk about this song. I'm very anxious. I was, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I, I really love this album. And I really, really wanted to get to it. Like I, I got a bunch of fucking notes, y'all. I'm ready. All right. So, album kicks off with King Back. King Back is produced by Just Blaze. <laughs> uh, it has, has this Kill Bill type feel to it, right? Black exploitation. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, strong opening. Strong. Um, I think. I don't know where that sample's from in the beginning. And the prophecy read that one day, like, that that shit is, like, very gladiator-esque. I forget where it's from, though. I have to hear it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a very strong opening. It's what you expect from T.I. at this time, you know. I loved it. Uh, sounds like his black superhero music. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like music that would... And Just Blaze is really good at doing that because he's done it for Jay-Z multiple times. And I, I really... Um, think that this this exact production or production moment was a predator was a predator the predecessor predecessor there you go thank you Red said it mm-hmm. for 
um, him making heavy as the head. Yeah. Um, okay, I could see that. Like, I, I think when he made Trouble Man. Yeah. Like, I think that like that that just Blaze's production mm-hmm. kind of put him in that mood to do to do that kind of style, mm-hmm. the way that he does it. It could because it's like it's very uh, cinematic, and it kind of gives you that feel. Is is like what like Ghostface did with like Fishgill. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's very similar, and I think that's like the kind of mode that he was in. Um, yeah, I'm locked in, y'all. I I think off rip it was uh, like I said it was the first time accepting him. So he when he started it off with that the ti- that's the title of the track, and then came in and at the time just Blaze himself could probably do no wrong, at around that time and uh, just hearing him. I always feel like just Blaze is just a New York sound. Mm-hmm. So my New York bias definitely hearing uh, an artist from Atlanta that I'm really liking that that's really like rapping his ass off to jumping on a New York beat to me was automatically all right let's go yeah and T.I. has always um has always ha- had an affinity for the East Coast um his father's, and, from, his father's from New York yeah so he's always embraced that sound um so I don't know uh so let's see the sample is from Ray the Ray the Funky Trumpet and uh and the song is called String of the Serpent the sample oh okay yeah, I just Google it just to make sure. Yeah. Um. So, damn, I forget what I was gonna say. My bad. Oh, but I do remember. I do remember when I first got my hands on this album. It was cause I and I was working at CVS at the time, and I was on the register, and my brother came in, and I was like right on the first register. He came in and just like reached over the register, and like handed me the album and like dapped me up and just walked out, and I was like, "She won." Yeah, and I was like, "All right, bet," cause he went and bought two copies. So I was like, bet, I know this is some shit. You know, like, he didn't even say anything about it. What's even funnier is more that me. comes off like, yo, little brother, leave my shit alone. Well, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what that is, too. That's what that is, too. But um, that takes us in the front back, which features U- UGK. Um, I always took this song as sort of an homage to uh, to UGK and the Houston sound. Because um, this is absolutely what that is, actually. Like, it, in, and the, um, the production, the sample of it. T.I. on these type of beats is always like, it always goes for me. To me, this was T.I. putting the final. This was, to me, this was T.I. putting the final nail in the coffin of the beef with him a little flip, like letting him know, like, all of your OGs respect me and we on the same level. Mm-hmm. And they they also know that I lay claim to this shit. And probably, the funny thing is probably the only person that probably would have spoken out against him with the King, shit, King of the South shit was Pimp C. And Pimp C spoke on it and then him and T.I. spoke in private mm-hmm. and everything was fine. Look, I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's the biggest fuck you to Lil Flip. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really agree. I feel like the the, the the features in here add to the whole king shit. Mm-hmm. It's very important, the features he, he, he has when you yeah. go look at it. Um, he has greats from the South on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, people you don't necessarily want to just jump on a track with, especially calling yourself king. And he did. And he's also, I feel like, the fact that the it's the second song, um, and throughout T.I.'s entire discography, you can hear the significant UGK influence uh, in his music. Mm-hmm. To do it this way was like, all right, let's go. It's all the static, all the spice, just like T said, and I was here for every right. second of also, it. Also, I, like, I know like, Pimp C always gets like, the love and the admiration, but I really have never, ever heard a Wack Bun B verse. Nope. 
that I can that I can name. Like maybe I, you know, I might need to like dive deeper into some of the albums. But every time I hear Bun B, like he's on point, he's sharp. It's kind of like how like Big Boy is with Outkast, where like you know Andre Three Thousand is like the 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 really like musically inclined electric one, but like. Big boy is solid. Like you know, all right, you're gonna get a solid verse. He's gonna come through and get the gut, get the job done. Bun mm-hmm. B does the same thing, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm or like, I I really like his voice too. He got that like baritone voice where he just come in like, who you know about? Like he yeah. just started off like that's that. Why, yeah. That's it's why super, it's super old school and it's super like, I don't know. I can't listen to too much Bun B because he does this thing that I don't like where like his uh. Twang, it's his twang in his accent. No, no, no. I love that. I'm oh. talking about like his uh, um, shit. What's the what's the double voice thing? His ad libs. His ad libs. Oh. His ad libs are super repetitive. I, I just I hate that. I don't like that. But I, I love Bun B. But I can't take too much of that. I feel like the beauty of them is the contrast in both their voices together. And if you really think about it, they're probably some of the first southern lyrical drug dealer rappers. Nah, some of the first they are. They are the first? There's nobody... What's, what year did uh, Master P uh, drop out? They came out before Master P. What about Ghetto Boys? They came out before the Ghetto Boys. Well, Ghetto Boys was more storytelling and not so much drug dealing yeah, and yeah. specifically... Scarface, Scarface talked about drug dealing, but the Ghetto Boys yeah. were, were like N.W.A. of the South. Yeah, it was... Nah, it, it was UGK. Oh, yeah. Because Pocket Full of Stones, 92. So. No, I'm sorry. So, no, the Ghetto Boys came out first, but they weren't talking about selling drugs. First yeah. person, the ones that came out talking about selling drugs... And shit like that was UGK, and A ball. Some people say A ball, MJG get credit too. Yeah, because but like, it's like they didn't. They weren't like working like at the. They were working at the same time, but like they were they weren't aware of each other like that until like they started going on tour and doing the Chetland circuit. But uh, UGK yeah. was the first ones rapping about selling drugs. UGK. Um. So after front back, it takes us into what you know. What you know is produced by DJ Tump. And um, what you know, in my opinion, is one of the greatest hip hop crossover songs ever. Yeah, it's not a song that was supposed to work on radio, in my opinion. It's just the the hook is just so catchy. But what he's talking about, and what he's talking about, he was able to make it a crossover appeal because the hook is just all in the hook. But the the production, the you know moving moving work, I feel like this. What's this, 2006? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2006, you know, you didn't have... I don't think we had much content like this on the radio back then. We didn't, actually. I think this song absolutely was a radio record. This song was the first record of the album. Yeah, it was a, it was a single. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm saying in the context of it, it didn't... What you know about that... I'm, like, it, he's moving weight, like... But it it's was, like it super, yeah, yeah, and it's braggadocious. The way he talked about it, this referring song promoted to the out, the, the this song promoted the movie and the album mm-hmm. and the album. Like mm-hmm. it did double duty. Like this song was played so much. Granted, like I was living in Atlanta, but when I would come home to visit New York at this time, like I heard this song all the time. Yes, like nonstop. And then ATL was coming out, right? And that's movie that's based off Dallas Austin's life when he was younger. So I'm just like, fuck, like this. This song is everywhere. Like, I loved it, but then I got tired of it because it got played so much. Yes. I, there was, like, okay, up. after a year of this song being out, I didn't need to hear this song for, like, six, seven years because it was <laughs> It was, yeah. It was white kids on TRL, everywhere. like, loading knapsack, where I'm loading all the work at. Yeah. Where? Yeah, ringtones. Yeah, ringtone era. I mean, this jam, was the ringtone era. The end of the ringtone era, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... 
yeah, man, this was this was a great fucking song, and like like T said, it, it served double duty. What's up? Are you trying to get to the next one? <laughs> uh, so yeah, what you know when double platinum, super huge success for Ti, and um, we'll get to the next song. Next song is I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you is produced by Just Blaze. Uh, this song. This song has a lot of different targets that were never confirmed. I I got the confirmation. And it wasn't it filmed in the confirmation's front yard or like his area his uh specific neighborhood? I think I think you're right. Well who are y'all saying well, is the confirmation? You want, oh, you wanna go at the same time? Because I think I think it was I mean, honestly, I think there's different targets. So like there's Rick I Ross. I think there's two. There's specific. I think there's three. There's, there's only two. Rick Ross and Wayne was tongue in cheek. He was playing with Wayne because him and Wayne are like sparring partners. They're friends. Okay. Yeah. So I think so. The so the, but there was a Wayne Dart. Yeah, yeah. There yeah, was a there Wayne. Was no, a Wayne. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's why I said it. Wayne was included in it because people were calling him Wayne then because Wayne was dropping, going crazy with the mixtapes at that mm-hmm. time. And so there's uh people say people say still say there's low flip mm-hmm. on there, but all, but the common consensus is that is Rick Ross. Yeah. In 2006. Yeah. I didn't know it was when I thought it was Rick Ross and uh, Shorty Low. Nah, nah, this one wasn't for Shorty Low, cause he didn't even at this time he had a, a, a interview on the. Um, oh man, I'm so mad. It's a it's a it's a down south podcast that I actually like, and I can't think of the name right now. DJ Scream has it. Um, I forgot the name of it, but on there he talked about it. He didn't realize until after this album came out, cause Shorty Low had a song. That's dissing him. Yeah, that's why. And I, but th- but he didn't. T.I. didn't know that. Like they were in the club. T. Like Shorty Low dapped him up, and he went on the stage and performed it. And his partner was like, "Yo, this nigga dissing you. Like, why are you dapping this nigga up?" Like T.I. didn't catch it. I didn't and even this know album, that. This project was already out. Um, Big Facts. There you go. Big Facts podcast. He wanted to shout out to Big Facts podcast. He wanted a Big Facts podcast, and he was talking about how like. They was in a club together. Shorty Low dapped him up like it was nothing. Went on the stage and proceeded to diss him. But it did, that that song came out after this album came out. For King, what happened is is that there was a song that Kanye West produced called "I'm Just Doing My Job." Yeah, and I'm Rick Ross and Rick Ross job. had the song, but this was when he was trying to on the come up. A lot of people don't know Rick Ross and like Kanye. Like the reason why they're so close is because they worked a lot together when they were on the come up before. When Rick Ross was a ghostwriter, Kanye was just a produ- just an unknown producer. Ti heard that track. And got it immediately and took it from Ross. Ross proceeded to diss him. So then T.I. was just like, yo, I'm just going to light this nigga up. Mm-hmm. But Ross had hustling about to come out. So then, you know, a few years later, um, I forgot which album, but it's Maybe at Music 3. They interview Ross and they Deep asked him rap. about it. They, and he was no. like, I dissed. Teflon. He, yeah, he said I had to put everything to the side with T.I. He said because when I dissed him, I didn't know him yet. He said, but once I got to know him, I realized I probably could have just reached out to him and spoke to him about it like a man. But at that time, I was new coming to the game and I was trying to feed my family with these, the music. Yeah. But I just think... He had a line on this song um, that pretty much confirmed that it was Ross or at least like taking a shot at Ross momentarily where he uh, said, I know you want to be just like me since you got your new deal, nigga, but I don't give a fuck if you like me. No second dish. You're not trill, nigga. So yeah. like... You know, Trilla, like that mm-hmm. was an album that Ross had that was coming at that time. Um and like you said, yeah, doing my job was supposed to go to Ross. But um damn, I love that fucking song too. I wonder how Ross was oh, sounding Ross, on that. Oh my god, magnificent. Mm-hmm. I don't know though, cause he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't rapping. He wasn't, yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah. Rose yet. Yeah. yeah. 
It still would have been glorious though. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um. So. So that leads us into Li- "Live in the Sky," beautifully written. It's produced by Jamie. Fo- I mean, it features Jamie Fox on the vocals. Uh, and ode to his friend that he lost in this. Uh, Falan. Uh, yeah. yeah in this same year span. In, in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I think they like shot the van that he yeah, was in. Yeah, like it was something that happened at a club in Cincinnati. Like uh, mm-hmm. apparently, like um, in Ohio, like a lot of artists get like obviously as we heard from Cameron, they get a lot of money because they, it's a lot of show money and it's a lot of drug money out there. And Ti was in Cincinnati a lot, and I think like he got into it with some locals, mm-hmm. and it was like a consistent beef. And then this one particular night, things just went really wrong. And you know he lost you know his bodyguard slash best friend. I was following this case like a lot because um, I used to go on so dot com. Shout out to so dot yeah, com. So. They used to they used to cover this shit like day in and day out about like um, who's willing to tell what information they know, and right. they were saying that Ti wasn't cooperating the way that they wanted him to, and like it was just a it was a big mess. Yeah, it was a mess. This was, um, and this was the second time uh, something like this happened to a rapper's bodyguard. Where like and and the rapper like knew firsthand exactly what happened and wouldn't speak. Buster, Buster Rhymes, Rhymes, same yeah, thing mm-hmm. happened, and it, and there were multiple people on that set <laughs> when that happened. Um, quick question: Was it? I think it's um bring him out where he talks about like they would go to Phil's house to eat because like Phil, if you listen to it, Phil is so important to Tip that you hear him throughout the earlier albums be mentioned. Specifically. I don't think it was gonna bring him out, but he definitely he definitely talks about things. like he I, I forgot there's a specific song where he's he's he starts off the the, the the day hanging out with Phil and then at the end they're all going to Phil's restaurant to eat. Oh, I don't know what I song forget. that is, but I yeah. gotta look it up. I forgot which one, but yeah, like when I've always spoken how I like I enjoy when um Rappers kind of feel like they let you into your into their crew, mm-hmm. and when they talk about their crew, like, oh, we should just know who it is and understand it. Eventually, yeah, as if fans, you're a fan, you just know, you just know. Yeah, like Phil was one of those. So when you know we found out he passed away, it was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. you know. And then and then subsequently, you know, like the chain of events that go down with Ti after it was such a prominent event in his life, his career, and and still to this day had us affected him. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, this song. For me, like I can't listen to it. Yeah, no, I can't listen to songs like this that much. But I do like how um, this is in the vein of what's the other song he has, "Dead and Gone" with with, yeah. with Justin Timberlake. Um, beautifully written songs. Like Ti is a great writer. Like, but Excellent. yeah, I can't listen to songs like this. They're such downers, man. And like, I can't do um, it. Yeah, I can't. I can't get into it. I but I do command become singles. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and this was a single too. Yeah, because even even Crossroads is like it's an amazing song. It it sticks with you, but I guess because we're so young, for me, um, and I didn't understand it was about, you know, specifically his uncle. I mean, even though he says well, his uncle's name on it, as a kid, I didn't process that the same as when you're older. At this point, uh, um, nineteen twenty, I've had friends die, mm-hmm. so I understand what that is, as opposed right. to you know being a kid, yeah. and just hearing that. So now it's like, yo, I don't want to hear a song, and I don't want to. I don't want to be out and about and hear this. I don't right. want to be in a, having a good day and it just comes on the radio. I guess at the same time, it depends on how it's marketed too, though, right? Because people have all fields of emotions, so you want to have music that taps into every emotion. So, like, sadness is one of them. So if they're going through something, it might help somebody out there too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just for me, like, this song is too sad. Like, yeah, it is. Um, so we'll go right into Ride With Me. Ride With Me is produced by Keith Mack. 
Love this song. It's a it's a classic Ti song for me. Classic classic, classic thump absolutely, to it. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it gets talked about enough in his catalog. Like as as one of those singles, I always mm-hmm. liken it back to again. It came out around the same time as ATL, but they used to use this song a lot for the promo of ATL. Mm-hmm. That's how I remember it. I, I love this song because Ti has a really good way and. All right, so tell me if it's because like I live down there, but Ti has a really good way of making you feel like you're in the car with him when he's describing like different streets and in, in mm-hmm. different counties and different areas of Atlanta. Yeah, he says it, and like because like I live down there, I know where he's talking about going and where mm-hmm. he's going. And then I'm just like, yo, this dude is nice because he's actually saying the proper directions. Yeah, <laughs> how yeah. to get to these places? Like, yeah, which, yeah. What, like what town you have to go through. So I just think it's really dope because it's just like. I remember, like, when some of my friends um, came down to Atlanta, they was like, y'all want to go to Bankhead? I was like, you don't want to go to Bankhead. <laughs> yeah, it's not a... But, yeah, that's the... You know, like, it's, I'm like, I'll take you to Buckhead. Yeah. I will take you to Bankhead. That's the good and the bad thing about when rappers popularize where they're from because, you know, to them, it's not that they're glorifying it. They're telling their truth. But now their truth is in the masses. So, like, people want to go see these places and see what it's about. And it's like... Uh, no, you know, because people. Like, it's like when white people come over here to take the Big L picture. Yeah. The, the Big L uh, memorial picture and shit. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So it's, yeah, that's, don't do that's that. the thing. And, you know, New York is more familiar with that than any city, I think. Like, everywhere that, that rappers talk about, like, people want to go visit Marcy House, Marcy Projects and shit. And it's like, okay, but, like, they popularize all that shit. But I do understand. The importance of doing that because you have people from those places that identify with that shit. I mean, a, a big thing of it too. For example, um, there was an artist, a street artist, who was going around taking lyrics of specific locations. He did it in Atlanta too, I, I believe. And he would go to those locations and actually post the lyric on the exact spot. Yeah, I know exactly you're talking about because he at. did it on Headland and the Low. Um, in Atlanta, with Andre 3000 was talking about on elevators. Yeah, yeah, and, I know exactly you're talking about. And I, I just feel like. It kind of created this scavenger hunt thing, which I felt was also really dangerous for people who don't know these neighborhoods. And there's like an infatuation like, yo, if you believe this person in the music and you believe what they're saying is true to the point you want to go to these places, why the fuck would you actually want to go to these places? It makes no sense. I get what you're saying, thinking from that standpoint, but these people are just fans and they just want to go somewhere with somewhere. Yeah. Like, 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 for example, there's people that literally... Go, there's a tour that goes to Marcy Projects and people take a picture in front of the Marcy Projects. Yeah. I find it hilarious because I work not too far from the Marcy Projects now and it's like, yo, I remember Marcy Projects in high, like high school. Like, I wasn't going out there just by myself with nobody I didn't people know. People just be wanting to go to Compton. People, like, all of that shit. Like, it, like you know, there's a good and bad to remember all of it. To to yeah, Compton? I was just going to say that. Yeah. He was, as soon as we got to L.A., he was like, yo, let's go to Compton. I was like, no, <laughs> no. bro. Yeah. And Phyllis didn't know how to drive, so I was like, you can... I was the only driver, so I was like, you can go to Compton. I was like, go ahead. What, nigga? We just got here, and it's 10.30 p.m. Like, relax. Like, Felix, you're Mexican out here. Chill. So, so yeah. So, um, so I see that. But I, but the representation is needed, too, at the same time. So, it's a gift and a curse. Because when I hear, when I hear shit like about Six Mile, or I hear Seven Mile, or I hear about Gun Hill in the Bronx, it's like these very niche things for me that I'm like, oh shit, like, alright, I'm from here, or I live here, it's cool, so you need that. Um, so that takes us into the breakup skit, which is hilarious, mm-hmm. features Mike Epps. Um, I had part of this like on my voicemail growing up, 
This is hilarious. That that makes not, that doesn't Mike's, surprise Mike's me whatsoever. Yeah. I like I like Mike Epps a lot because he just reminds me of people that I grew up with, like somebody that's funny on the block. Mm-hmm. Um. So then that takes us into why you wanna why you wanna man why you wanna fucking smash this flip for this beat is crazy. Nobody would have thought that something like this would work, and it did. I mean, did I think it will? I'm not gonna say I didn't think it wouldn't work, but I, like when when Ti did it, like it just the production was so good, the beat was so fire. It just made it just made all the sense of the world. Ti such a smooth dude, yeah. Like he's a very smooth talker. So like I was just like, damn man, this must be why Tiny always forgiving this nigga. <laughs> <laughs> um, the sample, by the way, is Crystal Waters' "Gypsy Woman." I, I want to say she's homeless, but she's homeless. Um. But yeah, this this song worked. It was an obvious single yeah. on the album. Um, there's not much else to say about it. Like not, it, it was a fucking. But hit. that's it. C- coming from New York, like house is a big deal in New York. Yeah. Especially growing up with uh, older siblings who were like of that era and time period where house was really like running clubs and all that. Like you weren't going out and hearing hip hop. You were hearing house music and freestyle and freestyle and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like. That's a, a song that I grew up with. And so just hearing that, and, 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 I was like, no, he didn't. But you yeah. also got to remember, like, HBC, there's, there's three HBCUs in Atlanta, Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, in the 90s and in the 80s, like, they had, like, a combination of, like, everything because there were black kids coming from every part of the United States. So you got Chicago House. You got um, G-Funk coming from California. Right, and then hyphy coming from Northern California. Mm-hmm. Then you got hip hop, freestyle, and and New York's house coming down to Atlanta. All that, and a melting pot coming right there. And then all those people that like moved to Atlanta and stayed. And then Ti does this song. Right, I'm not saying like that's that's why I was such a smash, but like think about like Atlanta's become like a melting pot. So yeah. like in Atlanta, when this song came on, like believe it or not, like I know like people don't see it that way, but like they love music from other regions. So Ti flipping his sample. Absolutely was like a a, a, a full on like go wasn't with a question mm-hmm. like T I was like get in the booth now <laughs> yeah. get in the booth now Sean mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um so that'll take us into get it get it is produced by Swiss Beats this and it features Swiss Beats this song is a mess it's a mess and <laughs> I'm just like this was like the period when I was like yo I'm not going okay. This is with all due respect. But I was not sure. The friend of the show. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Like if like well no, I'm gonna say it like this. Like uh, what's what's the safe thing to say? Was Swiss like taking like Adderall to like really concentrate and like stay up and not fall asleep and shit to like get through like work? Cause like this is like a very like you know, like listen to this shit with headphones on like to scare you. Yeah, this song <laughs> this song is just and it's badly placed. It's I just. Think- this song is a mess. I think as Tia, uh, when we spoke to Swizz and had the conversation with him, he said there were certain points where, you know, like there's certain things he wouldn't have redone. Um, this is probably one of those. It's probably one of those. This is I don't think so. I think that's, he's super proud. I think like Swizz just likes high octane, 
high energy records. And I think that like the more like it makes him bob his head, the more hype he gets. I just think he's a psychopath sometimes with some of his production. Oh mm-hmm. no, yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it's uh, it's a that he dislikes the beat. I think it's it's in, when we spoke to him, I realized there's certain songs that he's like, I wouldn't have given them that song, or I wouldn't have used that song in that period. I think that's what I mean. Like, oh, okay. This is one of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we can move right on. Um, so the next song is Top Back. Top Back is produced by Manny Fresh. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite beats in rap. Yes. I got a question. So every rapper has like their like song, right? Do you think that like, and that's their number one song? Like obviously it's some, it's some, I'm not saying like personal wise, like for you, but like, do you think that this is Ti's song, like just overall? You know how some rappers like it's undeniable, like it's just like oh, like Biggie is juicy, mm-hmm. right? Um, for Nas, I'm not sure for Nas, but like for me, I, I would think that it would be if I ruled the world, but maybe I'm just saying that from a, 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 my old age. But like certain rappers have like this signature song. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that this is Ti's song? Like, I know nah. like, like you think it's 24s or, or it's probably or, rubber, band rubber band man or rubber band man. Yeah. I don't rubber band. Biggest when was song? Last time? When was last nah. No, no, not, I did not biggest song. Well, like their okay. Signature song. So like the song that people play from that person, if I don't know, say James was to do a set and he had to put a Ti song in there, what's the Ti song he would play? I don't want to say it uh, because I don't think it's. His best song that drives us in, but I think it's probably that song. Uh, the the whatever you like is probably more what. Or mm. or um, that's a good point. Or you're talking about uh, why you wanna or why you wanna would be probably thrown on in the party. Live your life. Live your life. Live your life is the number one. Yeah, song. live your life. Yeah. Live your life because I think that was like his international hit. Yeah. But for me, strongly, I still feel that like Top Back like would be. Like uh, one of his, I feel like Top Back is like one of the closers for his his when he's mm-hmm. on tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I, beat I, this is very late in the in the and set. the and the remix to it with the Jeezy, re- BG yeah, on this and BG remix. on the remix. Got Man, me skating on nice like shit, I'm Christy Yamaguchi. This shit, <laughs> <laughs> this shit, like this beat is amazing. Ti on a on a beat like this is just like fucking heaven. Wait, there was somebody else who blacked on the remix too. Producers. Why can't I think of Young Dro? Dro. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting. Is this the sit? No, that's. I'm thinking the. Uh, you think it's shoulder lean? Nah, I'm thinking the uh, fly high where he was eating the the blowfish sushi. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I think that's that's what that was. Wait, I think I said. But said the, yeah. um. But for yeah, this song is just so perfect. Like the thump is insane. It sounds so triumphant. It's I just think I'm amazing. My BG and I was so mad when when Manny Fresh went against um, Scott Storch in that versus because he dropped this and he didn't drop it properly. He just nothing, nothing was working for him. And outside of that, Scott Storch it's was Scott doing Storch. yeah. Scott Storch was doing a lot of shit that he co-produced and like it just he just couldn't win that. Yeah, I man. just think also, yeah, it's just Scott the, Scorch and Coke won that night. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he got the best of them, but but Top Back is one of my favorite beats ever. Um, that takes us into I'm Straight. I'm Straight. I, I don't like this song on the album at all. I, would, I could do without it. I'm Straight has like almost, it has a lot of people that I, I mean, everyone on this song I fuck with. You got BG and GZ. Nah, I enjoy, okay, I think, so I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I... I mean, it just wasn't. I just don't. I don't need it. <laughs> um, I kind of really just fucked with BG on here heavy, but mm-hmm. I already know I'm a BG stand. So yeah, I, I like more BG than Courtney. Courtney wants us to do chop, um, chopping. I'm all the way. For, I'm, I'm all the way, way for, for that, that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the way for um, that. But but that'll take us into Undertaker. Undertaker features Young Dro, Young Buck, 
and DJ Drama. Son. It's like a lot of people don't um, know like T.I. and the PSC mixtapes were like a really big deal. And like DJ Drama being a part of Grand Hustle and everything was like a really big deal. It was pretty much like Desert Storm in the South. Mm-hmm. And I thought that like hearing him on record because like T.I. and like DJ Drama, like they didn't fall out, but like they kind of like started doing their own thing. So it was good to hear like Drama on the album. That was just really dope to me. And like, I was like really like, damn, like I really thought like that they were going to like do like I, I had it in my head. Like I was one of those kids that like it, like certain artists, like I would have like a vision in my head. And because at that time, Jay-Z was supposed to be fucking retired, I just had this vision in my head that, like, yo, okay, so T.I.'s going to do it. The Pimp Squad click is fucking dope. T.I., like, he had a good roster at Grand, at Grand Hustle as well, in my opinion. So I just thought that, like, him and DJ Drama was going to do what Hov and DJ Clue didn't do. Mm-hmm. My assumption. I mean, and they still wanted up being becoming wildly successful and doing yeah. wildly great things, but I yeah. thought they would do it together. I think that was a very common thing. I think also because there was the... Uh, the kind of cosign from Jay, it, it was like, oh, this is your the southern version of you, and I feel like a lot of people try to play into that more so uh, mm-hmm. with him. I think Swiss Beats was like one of the first people to call him the Jay Z of the South. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Um, but that takes us into stand up guy. I hate this I song. I hate this song. This too. song sucks. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. it's so cheesy. So much. So ass. Uh, we can go. Yeah, <laughs> we can go right into the next one. Next one is You Know Who. This beat is hard. Yo, Jason Jeter, man. Yeah, this... I didn't... like. You, I forgot, like, because Jason Jeter is his fucking manager. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I, I was that. just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. And I was this, impressed. this joint is produced by Travis Barker, too, by the way, and yeah. Tony Galvin. Shout out to Travis Barker, man. He just got engaged to Kourtney Kardashian. This is uh, the beginning of uh, that little uh, <laughs> Travis Barker doing all the rock remixes. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, or not rock remixes. He would jump on hip-hop beats that and he And just felt. give it some drums. But you would always be surprised, like, how does Travis Barker know about this artist or this song? He what worked the, in the music industry. And well, he was yeah, a fan of hip-hop. But the misconception is, or rather the conception is from, the, I, I think, the uneducated listener is, Oh, he's a rock star. He's Blink-182. He's in the pop rock world. He's not going to be listening. And I think when you know music and you know musicians and how they're percussionists and how they catch anything with a drum beat, they're going to pay attention to it. That's 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 just something he, we know. But he I, worked, at he, the time, I don't think many people I'm thought that I knew more musically inclined people. He worked his way out of that um, back then. He worked his way out of being boxed in with those type of people back oh, then. Oh, yeah. His famous like, stars fast. had me in a chokehold at that time. His clothing brand? Yeah. Had me in a fucking had me in a fucking headlock. Um, that'll take us into Good Life. Good Life is produced by the Neptunes. It features Common. Um, it's a very odd song to me. I don't know what it is. I like it, but like the the production is very like I don't know. It's, I need more. I need more Ti and Pharrell. Yeah, I needed less Common. I felt like. Yeah, I, I really. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. This song is odd, but. T.I. and Pharrell haven't missed, honestly. At all. They haven't missed. Only, only Freak, person, though, only is person, one of my yeah. favorite songs. The only person that could stop him was Marvin Gaye's estate. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin Gaye's estate can stop anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's not getting past them. Fucking Matumbo. Um, yeah, so that's followed by Hello. <laughs> 
Hello, Hello features Geo Washington. It's a great sample Yo. that's produced by Cowell. I have it as uh, featuring Governor. You know what I? You know what I'm yeah. My so Governor, so. what's up? <laughs> Man, fuck this song. Man, fuck this song. It does. <laughs> but it's a great, it's a great sample. Right, but yeah, the song ain't really. Nope. This is the tail end. Yeah, this is where uh, the album's officially lost a lot of steam at this yeah. point. Like mm-hmm. this is this is probably the low, the low. This is this is because uh, I think it picks back up. Uh, it does a lot. with the next yeah. song. Yeah, no. Uh, next okay. song I like. Next song is "Told You So." Um, it, it has this reminiscent trap trap music feel to it that I like. Um, Early Ti. Told you so is. Um, dope because it's, it's him like doing his brag shit mm-hmm. and you know he is like a supremely confident gentleman um so hearing him just talk his shit on an album like opposed to like you know how some artists do their, their thank yous he basically was just out just popping shit to niggas and I thought that was dope um it's just you know I, I love Tip man like <clears> he's, he's an awesome dude I'll never forget uh when, when we when I met him at uh the screen of Gerard Carmichael's um his show, same, and fucking, uh, I was with, uh, we, I was with, uh, you and Eli were there, mm-hmm. but I was with cleverly Chloe and Taki Bond, mm-hmm. and Chloe wanted to meet Ti, and Taki was standing with me, so Taki wanted to meet Ti, and Chloe did, so obviously I'm not gonna say nothing for Taki, so I was just like, yo, tip, I was, like I told him where I met him and everything, he was like, oh, cool, and then I was like, this is my friend, he thought I was gonna say Taki, I was like, no, 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 my friend Chloe, would you like to take a picture? He was like. All right, cool, partner, cool, partner. And he took the picture. And then Taki was like, hey, I want to take a picture. And T, I was like, not no damn pictures right now. And ever since, Taki Bond has hated that man yeah. and gone on to say that I got a picture with T.I. that night. And, and, and going on to say that T.I. is not the, um, the, 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 the godfather of trap music. To this day, if you follow Taki Bond on social media, he says that young Jeezy is because T.I. slighted him that night. And I just wanted to tell that story because it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't damn we, we should also, if you get a chance, go harass Taki. Uh, it was just his birthday, and uh, but uh, also tell him he's fucking delusional for any takes he has in music. Period. That seems fair. Um, shout out to Taki. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the next, next, and last song. This this album wraps up with Bankhead. It, it features Young Dro and PSC. What a fucking album closer! And to do it with all of his mans that was on his label that he was trying to prop up. Like the, I love the Pimp Squad clip. Like I like. I think them niggas knew, like, they wasn't really going to do much, but, like, the fact that, like, T.I., like, really held those niggas down and made opportunities for them, they're all businessmen now, businessmen now, I think it was fucking dope. I think it was fire, and I love this song. Like, I played, if I had my old iPod, like, it would be embarrassed. Like, this song and Stronger by Kanye West got played so much in my old iPod. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, this is, uh, I love... I love when the um when the clicks like make a make a posse cut for themselves. Like it always goes. There aren't that many that I don't like. Um this is a good closer, what you think? No, it's 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 a great closer as you guys said, it's 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 the click and it's also like I said, by the time we know who all these guys are, so having to hear them is is always an extra thing. They're not that great and then Dro is Dro. Dro mm-hmm. I feel is one of the most underrated rappers that it's didn't not a, do it. It's not a color he can't describe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Piney apple suckers, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not a color that man can't describe. Yet. I didn't want to eat blowfish sushi till he said it. 
Dro. I'm cleaning this bitch. Yeah. But it just sounded amazing. And he was sitting in a Chevy eating it. <laughs> like, that doesn't even sound... Cl- if it's a dangerous fish to eat, why are you not eating it in the restaurant and you're just chilling in a Chevy eating it, is what I want to know. Because it looks more fucking baller. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to the conclusion of this album. Um, Danny, what's your rating? I'm going to go to three. Goddamn. Okay. Because the steam it loses, it really, like... It, you're on a high for most of the album. And then, you know, I'll go 3.5. Because uh, it's... it's No, 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 no. Because a majority of the album, most of the album, you're enjoying and you're bopping to until the end. There's that dip. And it's only for, like, three songs out of 20 songs. Out of, out of no no 18. eighteen songs three three out of so it's like all right it it deserves a little more than just a good album because it's a great album it's an album I could still listen to I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it for this pro for this uh podcast so I'm gonna go with a three point five okay okay and I go four out of five um this is like this was just like a continuation of a of an impressive impressive run that Ti was going on at this point in time. And the fact that, like, you know, he followed up his his pro- proclamation of being the king of the South and the name of the album king, I just thought was, like, dope. And, like, I think it was also a homage to, like, Rev Run, you know what I'm saying, calling himself, like, the king of rock, like, calling himself that nigga at that time. Slick Rick calling himself the ruler. Rakim calling himself Rakim Allah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just, he was just following in the footsteps of, like, MCs that came before him and him having ties to New York, understanding... Like, sometimes you got to, like, take it and then, like, accept all challenges, which mm-hmm. he did. And, like, you know, he kind of, like, proved it. Like, he was the face of the South. Like, people just, when people thought of the South, if they were from New York, they just thought T.I. They just looked at the whole map and was just, like, a circle. Like, that's the South. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I feel like uh, this album is the proclamation of, like, fi- of, there was nobody in New York. I felt like at this point you were just clearly hating if you said T.I. wasn't nice. And I feel yeah. like it was a it was a turning point in New York fandom where we understood that, yo, this is a person who's rapping about drug stuff the way we kind of rap about it. You could tell he was influenced by the same influences, but he is not a New York... Like, it's the beginning of the New York bias starting to uh, lose its foothold. Yo, y'all stop... People in New York stop calling, like, crack houses crack houses. Yes. Start calling them traps. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Think about that. Oh, but I'm um, well. So for me, I give it a three and a half. I think this album was uh, was very strong, and I think it's a high. It's a really high point for Ti. Um, this was the culmination of everything that he talked about from the very beginning of his career, um, from I'm Serious all the way to to tw- 2006 with this, um, and it was just no denying it. I, and I think he waited to the proper time. To come out with this and um, and work with the people that he did, um, but you know it's like Danny said, like there are a lot of short moments on this album, but there's some strong ones too. And Ti has a, a really strong ear for production that I really like. Um, at one point, you know he was in my top ten. Like it, there was no denying this guy for me. Um, I was a huge fan of Ti. He wasn't able to keep that momentum going. But, you know, that's not relative to this piece. This is a great album. It just has some short moments for me. I also think it's circumstances, not because of his talent. It was things that positions he found himself in. Well, yeah. Why his. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, some of the positions, but some of the positions that it found him in, um, 
some of those same positions got him bigger as an artist because Paper Trail was was huge. After he did a bid, he came back and mm-hmm. it was huge. But like mm-hmm. he just couldn't keep doing that because Ti versus Tip, he got into some shit mm-hmm. that was still a good big moment for him. And those moments just no. kept being repetitive. Well, I feel like Paper Trail yeah. is such a drastic change in his style of presentation and writing. Yeah, yeah, too, it is. Where where once he was free of those situations that he had to endure mm-hmm. post that situation when he had more freedom, he was already a different person. So it wasn't going to be the same content regardless if he wanted to go back to that. What were you going to say? I was just, it's just funny. Like, all of the trouble that he's gotten into, it's just really funny. Like, he got locked up before the BET Awards yeah. for, for trying to buy, like, a trunk full of guns. Yeah. Outside of that shit. Like, and I that, think Cat Williams was hosting that yeah, shit. Yeah, how Cat Williams was hosting it. Like, mm-hmm. he was one who announced it on stage. Like, that was, like, infamous because, like, that shit was supposed to be, that shit was filmed live. Like so that while that happened, everybody was like, "Is it the truth?" I got locked up, and then like weeks before that, remember all that shit happened with the dude Alpha Mega, mm-hmm. and then Alpha they found Omega. out he, he was a fucking informant. I thought that, was, I, yeah, because I, I forgot he yeah. got in trouble so many times. It was right after one of the times he got in trouble with that. Yeah, Alpha it was Mega just it was out. just a bunch of crazy shit, man. But yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, that'll home. bring us to the conclusion of this album. Um, very big standout album from Ti. Like this is the culmination of like like I said, it was everything he talked about. And he did it big, man. Um, I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Torian B. We out of here. Peace. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. (laughs) 